Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine, and all-around good guy. And I love the Horrible Movie Podcast. All right, welcome to the Horror Movie Podcast. This week we have the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Eastman. Kevin, welcome. Oh, so glad to be here, guys. Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, we, um, man, I, I can't tell you, whenever Jared, whenever Jared was telling us that uh, you were willing to come on, um, man, I'm telling you, your creation uh, was and is such a huge... Uh, I don't know how many people's childhoods has what, what you know has your creation just like made. I'm telling you, man, awesome. <laughs> well, th- well, first, thanks. Uh, you know, and I always thank uh, fans like yourself and so many fans that we get to meet every every year. My wife Courtney and I we do about twelve to fifteen shows a year, and it's hard to believe that you know after the turtles will be thirty four years old next year, and it's hard to believe I still have such an awesome job, and I always. Uh, uh, pay my respects and awesome and incredible humbling thanks to all the fans that have given me this job because um, I am the luckiest guy in the world. I still to this day I'm 55 years old. I get up and <laughs> you know get to draw comic books for a living. Awesome. My goodness, uh, it's a dream. It really is. Um, we were uh, just in doing kind of research for this uh, interview and just uh, just looking you know kind of in depth on on the old interweb. You're kind of what I glean. Your initial Turtles drawing, okay? And I think I listened to an interview where you said it was Michelangelo, basically, right? Yep, that's right. And so you show it, you show this to Peter Laird, and then I feel like all signs point to, from that point on, did this thing just go into turbo speed, super mode? And, and did, <laughs> did it feel that way for you? Because it seems like it just went like instantly viral. Before there was a viral concept, obviously, but <laughs> well, you know, it, it, you know, relatively, it, it was definitely a very short period of time, and I, in, 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 and for me, I guess it was, you know, we we self-published, you know, we well, we did the first drawings in 1983. We drew the first comic book together, um, late '83, early '84. The first comic came out in 1984, and then, you know, um, I was still working, you know, a couple of jobs to pay the rent, and the comic books was always the dream and the passion. But um, it was uh, when we solicited for issue two, which honestly, that's why the first issue of the Turtles is self-contained. We never thought there'd be a second one. So when we <laughs> had fans sort of writing saying, "Hey, I, I bought issue one, I loved it. When are you going to do another one?" So Peter and I started working on issue two, and then um, when we get the orders for it in January of 1985. It was uh, 15,000 copies. The first issue was 3,000. Uh, and then at 15,000 copies, we figured through some quick calculations, we could make enough money if we did six issues a year um, to pay our rent, eat all the macaroni and cheese we want, and Absolutely. draw comic books for a living. And pretty much since January of 1985, I've been drawing comic books. So that to me, it just could not have gotten any better from that point on. And the fact that you know it went, um, you know, each issue sold more. By 1987, we were talking to people about doing cartoons and, yes. and toys, which we thought was a ludicrous idea. We didn't think anybody would buy them. Um, and by 1988, we had a cartoon show on the air. The toys were on the shelves, and you know, two years later, we had a movie. Yeah, so it, you know, in a span of four years, um, we went from two guys cooking lobsters in a restaurant, drawing comic books, and uh, 
to uh, to having you know the number one toy line in the country, and that was mind blowing in every sense of the word. That's so cool. Um, so the current uh, the turtles currently are you guys are on IDW, is that correct? Yes, IDW is uh, my main job. My main passion has always been the comic books, and so I've been working with IDW since uh, 2011 on the new. Uh, Turtles comic series. Uh, we just hit issue 75. Thank you, fans. Um, and I also consult with uh, Nickelodeon on the cartoon show. Uh, written a couple episodes. Do a voice of Ice Cream Kitty. And I've done some consulting on that. Um, the most recent Turtle movies, which I know you guys love. So uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, hey, sir. We can talk about the the most current movie. Phil and I were talking about this the other day. We went to the Chiefs game the other day. And on our way to the Chiefs game, we were talking about you and talking about the 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 most that most current Turtles movie uh, is it Out of Shadows. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Hey, it's got Bebop and Rocksteady in it. Steady in it. It's got Krang in it. It's got I mean, it's got all the elements that people wanted in a Turtles movie for a long time. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I like it. And Seamus is in it, and I love Seamus as a wrestler. He's awesome. <laughs> no, he, he is actually. It's, you know, it's funny. The one of the one of the first wrestling matches that we took our son Shane to. He's eleven. Um, uh, he, we went to a, here. In, I live here in San Diego. We went to a, a, a wrestling match because Sheamus was there. Yeah. He, it's one of his. Fa- it was one of his favorite guys. And we've met him since, and he's not only the coolest guy, but the nicest person uh, cool. ever. Uh, but no, the, the the most recent movies. It's you know I always address them as you know I, I consulted on them. Um, there were things that. I thought that they did were great. I thought there were things that I would have done differently. Right. Uh, but but I'll definitely say that the second um, version that we finally get to see Bebop and Rocksteady on the big screen. We get to see uh, Krang. Um, it was definitely a great live action version of uh, the cartoons and paid great homage to the original cartoon series. So, right. Uh, no, it's just you know the turtles for me. I, I just wish they hadn't been so big and bulletproof and stuff. I would have done them more like <laughs> teenagers. It was um, so I had some issues with it. But. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Phil, uh, producer Phil, is on, and he absolutely loves the current run of the Turtles. Um, Phil, you have a, a couple questions for Kevin. Yeah. So, um, like, like Jack was saying, I just really like I, my entry point into Turtles comics was IDW. I had never read any comics uh, about the Turtles before that that 2011 run and I actually um uh, have like I own a copy of like the first 12 issue story arc in um like hardback form at home and um it was really stupid I I was actually I bought it and was gonna bring it to (laughs) Planet Comic Con uh when you were at Planet Planet Comic Con in Kansas City and uh ended up leaving it at home and so like I was gonna get an autograph (laughs) from you and then like I totally uh didn't even bring it with us. So, um, but anyways, I love that first story arc. Could you talk a little bit about your inspiration for like the reincarnation? Uh, I don't want to spoil the story for people who haven't read it, but like um, just um, the, the fact that the four turtles in Splinter are all family members. Like they, in a previous life, were you know father and sons. They, all these guys are literal brothers with each other. What's what kind of inspired that? I, that's um, one of my favorite story arcs of any comic of all time, and, and uh, I really enjoyed reading it. I, I actually read it twice over the second time with my wife. So um, maybe you can talk a little bit about the inspiration for that story. 
Sure, and gladly. It's it's you know honestly, I, I put the the blame squarely on uh, Tom Waltz, who's the head writer, who's you know when I I talk about him, um, I always say that I want to be Tom Waltz when I grow up because I think he's such a fantastic writer. Um, I really love his his take on the turtles, his handling of the turtles, and when. Um, uh, Viacom bought the Turtles and were almost simultaneously launching, uh, developing and launching the new cartoon series, um, working on some of the movies. They, um, um, uh, IDW contracted the rights to do the comics. And Ted Adams, who I've known, one of the co-founders, invited me down to meet the guys and wanted to talk about what they had planned and what they would like to do with the series. Um, and Tom Walls pitched me this idea, which he kind of looked at all the different Turtle universes from the original black and white comics. Uh, to the 2000 show, which was one of his favorites, and some of the isms, and he sort of boiled it all down to two things. One is putting his own sort of unique spin on it, but still keeping all the important isms of the turtles, you know, the family first, family kind of makeups, the, the most important dynamic of the stories, whether it be the ones that Peter and I did or the most recent IDW ones. And I just thought it was fantastic, um, the way he handled it, the way he wanted to roll it out. Um, and that's where I started my involvement as a consultant and then, you know, hands-on. Um, and I felt that, you know, the fans were either going to fall in love with it, um, like I did, uh, or they were going to, you know, hang us from the nearest tree. <laughs> um, um, but fortunately, no, the, they, they've embraced it. They, they find they love what I love about it, which is the tonal, tonality of it, the edginess of it. Um, is very similar to, it's the closest you ever get to what Peter and I originally did, um, but the way that we are able to, under Tom's new foundation and this new story um, concept, we can pull characters from in from all the different Turtle universes, whether it be, and we've done that from the Archie series, from the cartoon series, the 2000 series, some of the movies, um, they all get to be rolled into and tweaked a little bit, um, you know, paid respect to homage and, and plus bring in lots of new characters. So. Um, I can't believe that we've just finished issue 75 um, after all this years. And Tom, you know, Tom and I and Bobby Kernow, the series editor, we conceptualize, we plot, and we pace out where we want to take the series and what we want to do with it. But Tom does all the heavy lifting, you know, the scripts, uh, issue to issue. And I just, I love the guy. And I love the series. It's, it's hands down one of my favorites. Yeah. And it- if I could ask one other question about the series, I think, um, again, I really don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't had a chance to read them, but, um, I, I guess it was about a ye- couple of years ago. Um, you guys made the decision to basically kill one of the turtles. Um, I, I won't go into the specifics of how that happened or even who it was, but uh, unless you don't care, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but, uh, how, how did that conversation come about and, and what was, um, what was the impetus, kind of the moving force of saying yes to that, and and yeah, let's let's go down that that very dark road that you know we really haven't um, you know progressed down before in, in the past. Well, it's it's a great question, and and you know definitely definitely keep reading the series. <laughs> no, because um you know I know it's I always say that um you know we didn't kill Donatello. Um, it was the internet that killed Donatello. And what I mean by that that is um, what's so beautiful about what we've been able to do with the series, you know, with the full support of Nickelodeon and and, and tell some really edgy stories like in this, we did a um, a seven issue run called City Fall where Leonardo's turned to the dark side and is convinced in his previous life and in this life he was, he's Shredder's son and actually turns on the turtles to, uh, you know, different 
you know, past, you know, uh, Leatherhead, um, Rat King is a character, is this really evil, twisted version of him in our story. And so with Donatello, we, we were telling this really dynamic storyline, and it was important to stage a number of things leading up to issue 50, which is, you know, such an incredible double issue that sort of wraps up all of the previous 49 issues in that one issue, and it's it's pretty dynamic. We wanted this moment where we looked as if we killed Donatello. Um, we did not. <laughs> he was just yeah. severely beaten and then put in the consciousness of Metalhead and all that. But it was, uh, but people, you know, still, I mean, you know, for the next year, people were coming up and, and they said, I stopped reading the series because you killed Donatello. And I'm like, we didn't, we didn't, you have to keep reading. And, and it said two <laughs> things, you know, one, the most important part was, uh, my goodness, you fans, we really care about what we've been doing in the series. And then if we can create an emotion like that, that, you know, um, takes you to that place. Um, it, it, it's humbling. It's, it's an honor that, you know, that you are so passionate about the stories that, you know, you really felt that we, you know, we told a great story and you, and you fell for it, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, but no, um, you know, by issue 50, he was, he was back and, and it would be heartbreak. I don't think I could, you know, I had, you know, a story in mind, actually, Peter and I had a story in mind, you know, which we call the last, Turtle story. It's something that we came up with many, many years ago, and, and have never finished the script or, or finished the work. But it was, uh, you know, when you start going down that path, it's pretty heartbreaking to uh, think you ever want to do away with one of your characters. And, and I'd never would want to be one of those, you know, the death of Superman, where we kill a character and then bring it back in ten different forms or something. You know? So um, we appreciate that you guys care about him as much as we do. Yeah. Hey. Um Kevin, we have a friend of the show whose name is uh, Jerry McMullen. And Jerry is the host, one of the hosts of the worst comic podcast ever. Uh, and we've collaborated with him a few times. I feel like you guys may have collaborated a little bit at maybe Planet Comic Con this last year in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And he sent over a few questions, and they are hard hitting questions. Here's number one, Kevin. Uh, there's been a ton of Turtles merchandise over the years. What is the oddest product that has ever sported the TMNT logo? Man, that's um, there were a few. <laughs> I won't lie, um, and it's and it's funny when I bring this up because a lot of fans actually really liked it. But they did these. Um, um, to me, it just looked gross, and it was um, it tasted funky. They did these turtle moon pies. It was like a oh. half moon pastry that had this um, yeah. green filling with green frosting on it. Oh my god. And it just looked like something that had spoiled yeah. <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, that was probably one. And actually, I put the turtle cereal in the same category. It was like, you know, sugar-covered wheat checks with uh, um, uh, marshmallow, yes. different colored marshmallow ninja weapons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for the food stuff, that was that was definitely it. Some of the toys I thought were pretty, pretty, you know, Mutagen Man and Pizza Face and some of those uh, were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty awesome. But I think the... The weirder ones, I like them better. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be the turtle moon pies. That was the one that was was seen the grossest. <laughs> um, okay, so here's another one. Part of the mystique of TMNT when it debuted was there was just little, there was so little information on the title. Like when it first, when you guys first created it, and the only way people could get info on it was literally to buy it and to read it. Can can an indie book like like that? breakthrough in today's current market is there a shot of that happening again well i think that you know what's so awesome about um 
what has changed so much with the internet and, and so many ways to communicate globally is you know the in the in the social places you can do that but um, I think you can today you can introduce a character or characters you can um, publish digitally you can reach a lot more people at very little or no cost besides your personal investment and time and um, and uh, you know sweat equity into it um, but you, you're right I mean I think it was for us uh, it was it was a whole different you know, there were there weren't cell phones, internet, anything like that, right. and it was we sold specifically only through comic book stores. So the only place you could find um, the Turtles comic book is if you went wandered into your local neighborhood um, or drove to your local neighborhood uh, comic store and put down a dollar fifty, and which is you know thirty for three years ago. That's a lot of cash, still right. is, you know. But uh, yeah, that's the only way you could do it. It was word of mouth, and and that's what built the the franchise. Um, but yeah, this hope, I think, and I see a lot of you know really talented young people with great ideas and they're getting out there they're self-publishing it's mostly digital um building an audience before they can go into the, the full-on publishing thing but i'm very inspired by the the talent um they're all you know um 30 years younger than i am and draw better than i do <laughs> <laughs> um okay here's a here's a really a really tough one fate what's your favorite pizza topping and uh, is there anything that shouldn't go on a pizza, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you know I always used to laugh at the um, some of the in, the in the late '80s, early '90s cartoon the the different kinds of you know the anchovy and jelly bean pizza and something else and something else. But uh, those that just seemed disgusting. Um, but my my favorite, actually our family favorite um, uh, pizza is uh, Hawaiian pizza with jalapenos on it. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, you should definitely try it. I it's will. Uh, my wife, Courtney, Courtney's dad, um, loves the you know the ham and the pineapple and all thing, but they're throwing the jalapenos on there, man. It's just it kicks it in the whole other level. Okay, okay here's uh, one last one from from Jerry McMullen. How hard is it to give up creative control on uh, your characters, especially when you sign them? Basically, you're signing any over uh, for the for movies or you know for an animated show. How hard is it for you to give up that creative control? Well, you know, we were so spoiled in the early days where, you know, the first, you know, I guess 15 to 20 years of the Turtles pretty much from 1987 um, through the late 90s, um, mid-90s-ish, Peter and I pretty much had complete say. We worked on, you know, uh, we had complete and final say. I mean, we worked on all 300 cartoon episodes, the original episodes, all the movies. Uh, We oversaw every aspect of our creation, you know, before any... Anybody out there in the public saw anything with a turtle on it or read anything, um, we saw it, worked on it, and, and had a hand in it. Um, but we were also used to, um, you know, when uh, growing up reading comic books, say if you were a fan of, I don't know, the Avengers or X-Men, different creative teams would come in and out. Some you liked better than others. Um, some you didn't like as much kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we let go of the turtles, we had already spent... 15, 20 years having our say, building this foundation of what, you know, built the Turtle universe. And there's been um, Turtle projects that have come out since we sold the rights many years ago, some that I've liked more, some that I've liked less, but um, I'm just happy that a lot of people that have taken a shot at the Turtles, um, you know, have kept that heart and soul. I think that we, the family aspect, the heart and soul of what we built around the characters, and that seems to always be, you know, present in the, in the projects, even if the projects themselves could have been a little bit stronger or, or I look at it as something I would have done differently but then again I'm, I'm, I'm happy um, 
with it and I'm comfortable with it. And, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, guys like Cyril Neely, who heads up the Nickelodeon cartoon series, which I love. Cyril grew up in uh, Philadelphia. His dad owned a pizza place. He grew up eating pizza and drawing turtles. And now he's, it couldn't have been a better guy to, um, you know, head up the creative development of the Nickelodeon cartoon series. And Tom Waltz, who grew up as a turtle fan, um, they, they put their, you know, passion and their love of the characters before they got a chance to do it and they're putting it all taking it all home the right way so i'm very proud of them it's awesome so uh, we are a movie podcast we've talked about this and uh, i'll say this master this what do you think of the turtles movies in general and and i'm just saying from a standpoint of um the goods part the bads part there hey i'm telling you right now kevin in 1990, when that first one, that the Net Turtles movie came out, dude, I bought that VHS. I'm getting the. I'm not sure if it was Domino's or Pizza Hut. Who did the? Who was the franchise that got the pizza deal on that one? I think you know. Is um, I'm pretty sure it was Domino's because they had the Domino's delivery scene in the first movie, yes. and that and that was you know, <laughs> you know, we we corrupted a lot of. Um, Kids eat more and more pizza thanks to the turtles. <laughs> thanks a lot, thanks a lot, Kevin, for that. I haven't stopped eating pizza since. I know, well, I'm telling you, you know, I, you know, I eat pizza a couple times a week, so I'm in the same position, buddy. And uh, you know my favorite pizza now, but um, well, I, no, blame, I, look, I blame you for my obesity. <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you? We're in good company, my friend. Um, the. Uh, you know, by far, hands down, my favorite and the favorite, um, my favorite turtle movie of all time will be that first turtle movie. Steve Barron directing, uh, Todd Langdon writing, Jim Henson doing the creatures. Um, absolutely loved it. It was, um, you know, a dream come true that, you know, it's one thing to have a comic book or a cartoon uh, and a toy. Those are definitely completely different mediums. But to bring those characters to life on the big screen was was mind-bending and the, the team that they had to pull together to do it was um was was beyond perfect um you know the second movie secret of the ooze um the script was uh, a bit different and a little bit edgier um it ended up being a bit more of a live action cartoon than i would have liked but um it, it ends up being one of them you know the fans really like the secret of the ooze um <laughs> i like it less than the first one of course um and actually i like the third turtle movie, uh, Turtles in Time, but a lot of fans like that the least. But I put that as sort of my second favorite. Cool. But you know, going through the 2007 uh, Kevin Monroe animated film was yeah. fantastic. Um, that you know battle scene on the rooftop um, with Leo and Ralph was fantastic. Um, a little unknown director video, director DVD. One of my favorites is Turtles Forever, mm. which the cartoon turtles with the 2000 turtles um they go back in in time and meet the original black and white turtles which oh, is wow cool wow turtles oh. probably you should check it out and um yeah and then right up to the most recent ones again which um there's some great stuff in there there's some stuff that um i would have done a little bit differently but um there's, there's a lot of fun stuff to be found in them as well That's cool hey kevin before we get uh, before we get out of here tell us about drawing blood you were talking about a, a kickstarter on that Oh, sure. Yes. Um, first, thank the fans for supporting. I have this independent project that I co-created with a, a friend of mine, David Avaloni, and it's about a character named Shane Bookman. Uh, we call it the completely fictional true story of Shane Bookman, and uh, who created a very popular uh, anthropomorphic um, set of uh, characters, these uh, samurai cats um, in the 1990s. Um, <laughs> 
um, did the rock star thing, went a little crazy, and it's it's sort of a Breaking Bad meets Spinal Tap meets Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but it all takes place in the world of comics, and it's um, it's a pretty uh, interesting tale, and there's lots of stuff that you know has some of my uh, experiences in there, but more importantly, um, a lot of experiences I've had a lot of friends I've made over the last 34 years, and I've heard some great stories, and so we're sort of doing this. Um, Inside the comic uh, world, but it's again, it's fictional, and there's some, you know, there's gunfights, and there's, there's all, you know, all kinds of things <laughs> that you might imagine a rock star would experience. Um, but we're looking at this as a comic book rock star. So the fans came out, supported it. We hit our goal. Um, we're literally, I was working on this on the on the series today, so um, uh, we're we're trucking forward and, and look forward to its uh, hitting the stands in uh, January of uh, next year. Awesome. Well. Uh- I know I'll definitely be looking forward to that and checking that out. It's kind of your uh, your Birdman, right? Like kind of the Michael Keaton thing. Yeah, yeah, Steph, I, that was definitely. I, I love that. Uh, I love Birdman as a concept. This one is uh, is definitely. I think you could take that concept and add it to the, you know, the Breaking Bad and the Spinal Tap. Because Spinal Tap was one of my favorite all time movies. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, you can definitely put that in the, in the mix for sure. But I, I hope people dig it because you know we've got. You know, a couple more series we'd like to do with the character, so hopefully we can uh, um, continue it on if the fans like it as much as we had. Crank it up, crank it up to eleven, right? Right, Kevin. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any, anything else you want to uh, tell our fine our fine audience or anybody? Well, nothing beyond. I had a great time sit, hang, hanging out with you guys, chatting. Uh, we have to have me back, and we'll talk about bad movies because I love my good bad movies. Um, so awesome. invite me back. We'll talk some more. Okay. Um, Thank the fans for the support of uh, Turtles of these last uh, 34 years. Yes. Let me wow. adjust my depends and thank you again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, respect and appreciate it, and you guys are awesome. Thank you. Kevin, thank you. Hey, seriously, thank you so much. It's all, all, all of our pleasure. Trust me, brother. Um, thanks, man, and tell you anything we can ever do. If we run into each other at uh, a comic book convention, we need to, you know, I'll give you a big high five. How about that? Yes, and, and Phil, you can bring the book that I, and next time so I can sign it for you. Definitely will. All right. All right. All right, Kevin. Thank you so much, sir. What a great guest, Kevin Eastman. Are you kidding me? I cannot believe that we just got <laughs> talked. We just talked to Kevin Eastman, the creator, co-creator of the Turtles. So super, awesome. He's super friendly. I know he's awesome. Golly, did you doubt? I, I don't know what you I doubted expected. He would be friendly. I expected like a. More of a ninja guy. Dude, I don't know. He is uh, such just, next level. Yeah. Like, you know, for me, I'm just like. Oh, I thought you were about to give me a high five, no, but you're just showing next, levels. He's such next level. <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, why is he even talking to me right now? Have you, he, he talked about his, uh, that pizza? Would you, would you try oh, that? I, well, I would. I love jalapenos. Really? Do you and like, I love, I love Hawaiian pizza? pizza, man. I love Hawaiian oh, pizza. I don't know. Um, okay. So folks, this, uh, we, we just talked to Kevin Eastman. Tell your friends, please tell your friends. Um, but this week on our main episode, which is a Thursday, you're going to hear us, hear Jared and I actually talk about uh, the Dark Tower. Stephen King's The Dark Tower. Yeah, so pretty good segue. Uh, no preview for this. Uh, we're not going to listen to preview, but just uh, make sure you tune in on uh, Thursday. Uh, remember the new format that's kind of coming down the pipe. There's a message yeah. um, that I kind of put out on iTunes, and it's kind of going around social media, changing a couple things up with the podcast. All <laughs> positive, all awesome. Uh, nothing bad, all good, and uh, new things. 
Coming do, I, do, five, I, do I still have a job here? You're, hey, well, you're the all-star now, man. Oh, okay, good. You're the media relations I haven't dude, listened man. to that message yet. So you're I don't, I don't head know of media you... relations oh. here at the Horror Movie Podcast Studios. So anyway, guys, uh, Jared, thanks for coming in, and um, we will see you on Thursday. It's hard to say. I, I keep wanting to we'll say Friday. We get used to Friday. We did Friday for so yeah. long. So. Yeah. Uh, awesome. We have a lot of episodes, folks. Go back and listen to old episodes. Seriously, yeah. just check them out. There's Don't a lot get of great confused content. when they say listen on Friday because now you're going to listen on Thursday. Yeah, it's Thursday. So. Thursday. Anyway, it's got to be your boy. Nice. But anyway, all right. Thanks, guys. And we will see you on Thursday for The Dark Tower. Stephen King's awesome. Well, it's not really his movie, but it's his book that was created and turned into a movie. So Yeah. Anyway, all right. See you. Bye.